Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, hope you're well. Thursday night, Mark O'Hare here from Wheel of Betting, joined as ever by my two betting buddies, Tom Love and Will Dyer, as we look ahead to the weekend's football. Just the one Premier League game this weekend, so we're instead focusing on the two standout games in Europe before getting the guys' best bets, their long shots and their next bests and everything else in between later on in the show. So, Tom Love, how you doing, mate? And firstly, FA Cup this weekend, is that going to be a focus of yours at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm not so bad, Tom. Um, hopefully we're going to have a better pod than last week, which is quite disappointing. Um, but yeah, as far as as far as the cup competitions go, especially in England, it's not really something that's taken my fancy. Um, I think, especially with the fact that there's no fans at these games for the for the lower league uh, teams in this competition, I just think that the, the spark of it's kind of gone a little bit. Even if a, a team like who we got left in it, like the likes of Plymouth or Cheltenham. Um, kind of come up with a bit of a shock this weekend. It, it's still not the same without the fans. I think um, I just try to think like when when Bradford City have gone on nice cup runs, really far into the FA Cup and the League Cup, the the fact that the fans are there makes all the difference for me. I, I'm just trying to imagine that without even attending one of the games, and it's just not the same at all. Um, so yeah. I, I, I'd usually want to get uh, a few kind of outsiders on side, um, but we are kind of getting to that stage of the competition now where the big boys kind of just seem to steamroller teams and you're looking at quarterfinals and semifinals soon enough and it'll be all the the likely contenders, the likes of Man City, United, um, etc. So... Yeah, not not particularly one that I'm going to be delving into, especially when you throw in the fact that teams are going to be rotating massively. It's been a really busy season, especially in the last kind of two months or so. Um, so you, you just don't really know, especially from the Premier League teams, what sides are going to put out. Um, and the bookies don't really give much away in terms of the prices as well, looking at them, so... No, it's not really a focus of mine. In these weekends, it, I tend to focus more on Europe, which is quite nice, actually. Um, it kind of means you don't have to do any Premier League-based stuff. Uh, it gives you more more time to delve into the continent, where I actually think the value is more prominent. So, yeah, um, good to kind of get full focus on Europe this week. Yeah, I think one of your points there, you mentioned about the, the condensed campaign. I do think maybe coming into the third round, but there might be an opportunity for a team, perhaps outside of the big six, to have a bit of a run at a cup competition with, with the bigger teams, probably looking at their schedules and thinking we've probably got too much on our plate before the end of May with Europe coming back into full focus in February, as well as the condensed campaign as well. But as you mentioned, the, the strength and depth and the squads that these clubs have available to them you know, it's, it's probably not really one for me, to be honest. And like you, I'll be focusing elsewhere in the FA Cup. But uh, Will Dyer is also with us. I uh, hope you're well, mate. Um, as someone who's, you know, very proficient in the cards markets, the penalties markets as well, uh, are competition something to focus on or maybe just uh, swerve over and, and look for the value elsewhere? Yeah, usually one to swerve. I've actually got a tab open on 
Mike Dean at the moment, and I just looked then at his cards per game. In the Premier League, he gives 4.1, and in the FA Cup, just 2.8. So you get quite a big drop-off in the, the cup competitions for for whatever reason. Maybe there's a few you know mismatches between the team from the Premier League and the team from League One that he's refed in there and that kind of thing. I think I was thinking the same thing. Hopefully this season, particularly this season, you'd hope that a team from outside the top six could give it a go. And I was thinking of trying to take on Arsenal this weekend with, with Southampton. But yeah, until until you know about lineups, it's really difficult at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Uh, so we're going to ignore the FA Cup, uh, at least from the main games that we're going to cover. Instead, we're going to look to Europe, as you mentioned. The first game of which we're going to attack is in Syria on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. League leaders Milan host Atalanta at San Siro, the Rossoneri. We're around 2-1 to one to defeat Atalanta on Thursday morning, but money has since come. Uh, news broke on Thursday morning about Antti Rebic, Teo Hernandez, Krunic, all available after suffering COVID-related issues. Uh, I think, Tom, you said they've been chipped into about 17-10, to 10, 2.7 um, earlier Thursday afternoon. That's probably where they're around trading now. That might trend downwards before this goes out as well. Uh, not bad for a team considering their form over the past 12 months. Saying that Atalanta have found their feet despite the issues, the ongoing issues with Papu Gomez being out of the team, the rift between himself and the head coach, Jean-Pierre Gasparini, but uh, getting a very fit and uh, able Josip Ilicic back fit and firing has made a real difference for Atalanta. They were 5-4, 2.25 favourites for this one. does feel a little bit short. So, Tom, um, will Milan's Scudetto dream move one step closer on Saturday or are Atalanta too good to oppose? What's your approach to this one? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, this one. I think that Atalanta are surprising favourites, in my opinion here. I was surprised to see them so short. When I was looking at the prices for this, I thought maybe they're meant to be at home here. Um, obviously, they're at San Siro, which they do know quite well after playing Champions League games there last season, um, as their, their stadium was getting rejuvenated. But I think that Milan, yeah, you've mentioned that they've come in a little bit. Um, when I was looking this morning, there were two to one available, and that was going to be a play for me, uh, just as a, a price. Um, they've come into around 17 to 10 now, so it's quite a, quite a sizable shift. Obviously, you mentioned that Rebic will be back. Uh, Teo Hernandez, too, is a key play, player for them, not only defensively, but going forward. Um, Krunic, too. Uh, they've got a really strong squad, haven't they, Milan? Great strength in depth, and they try to do even more in the transfer market. Obviously, they brought Mandzukic in, uh, Mete, as well as coming from Torino. Um, had a great season last season. Um, not so good this season. Uh, but he, he'll add some solidarity into that central midfield role. And I think that with Rafael Lau being back as well, who they brought from Lille, uh, Ibra in good form, I think that they are too big. Um, but instead of backing them to win, I'm going to back them to score over 1.5 goals, which is odds against 11 to 10 with 8.88 spot. Um, I think that that's a, a nice bit of value. There's some 21 to 20 with William Hill as well uh, at the time of recording anyway. And I think that, 
you're basically getting an odds against price here for something that's landed in 19 of the last 20 Milan games, um, which is an incredible record. Um, a lot of the games have been kind of winning both teams to score as well, so maybe look at a correct score, something like a, a 2-1, if you're inclined to back Milan. Um, but yeah, I think that they're quite a big price, but we all know the attacking threats that Atalanta have under Gasparini. They rested quite a few players midweek in Udine, uh, which they ended up drawing that game, but Zapata didn't play. Um, they started the likes of Miranchuk, Muriel, uh, Malinowski, Pessina. Um, I don't think Ilicic got a start. So uh, quite a few of the kind of key players have been rested with this game in mind. Uh, which is kind of understandable, but they did falter then. Uh, they did drop two points in a game that they did dominate, which will not be ideal for them. Um, and Milan have had a, a full week rest uh, for the first time in quite a while. So they'll be all the better for that. So, yeah, I think Milan were a bet at 2-1. to one. It's coming now, annoyingly. Um, but I'm still happy to take odds against them to score two goals. Uh, and if you're just looking at it from a a one by two perspective, I, I'd, I'd probably rather about the draw now, three to one with VBAT, just because it's it's a it's a massive game of course, and neither team will want to lose um, with the Scudetto being on the line. But then you've got another kind of side of the coin where there's so many teams in the title running, uh, they can't really afford not to win. Um, to, in order to kind of keep up with the likes of Inter and Juve who've started to really motor now. So um, I do think the draw's a bit overpriced. I'd probably have that more more as a 13-5 to 5 or 12-5 to 5 shot. Atalanta have drawn four of the last five on the road, so got got kind of previous there. Um, and if I was playing the correct score, maybe, maybe chance to 2-2 two, two. Um, if you're looking for a big price. I think that's double figures. Um, if you're looking for some kind of long shot in this game. But my main bet here has to be Milan over 1.5 team goals with that outstanding record of theirs and key players back. Um, I was looking into the card markets too. Atalanta have seen two or more cards in every away game this season, which did surprise me because they, they're usually relatively well behaved uh, for an Italian team anyway. And AC Milan have seen over one card in 78% of their games. So you get five to six. We bet three, six, five on both teams over one card here. Um, I think that's not a bad price, to be fair. Um, I was also looking at Atalanta plus zero on the Asian card handicap at around 2.1. Uh, they are quite high for away cards, and Milan are much more higher away from home than at the San Siro. Uh, but I don't think there's as much value in that. So, yeah, my main bet, Milan over 1.5 team goals. I think the draws over price what it's worth. And both teams over one card at five to six could also appeal. OK, so um, Tom's expecting quite a lively affair in the San Siro. Uh, Will, what's your thoughts on the Milan-Atalanta game? Yeah, um, I was I was thinking that way too as well, but to be honest, there's more. There were more other things that stood out rather than kind of cards for me at the at the beginning. Anyway, um, the first thing obviously you notice is the price on Milan, um, them being the outsiders, and 
Well, I mean, I looked into it and clearly it, it must be being driven by the absence of um, Teo Hernandez and uh, Hakan Chalanoglu. Um, Chalanoglu has scored in two of the last uh, three meetings with, with Atalanta. Um, been quite a key player um, for Pioli and... And yeah, Teo Hernandez as well, particularly playing, he, he gets a lot further forward from left back than uh, Calabria does on, on the right. So it's quite a key kind of absence for Milan. Um, but they've, you know, they've been through periods in the last month or so where they, they were without Ibrahimovic for six weeks. He missed 11 games because of the fixture congestion that we're experiencing. Um, and they still kind of managed their way through that quite well. So so I, I kind of just my my first thinking was really that Milan were a little bit overpriced. Um, they obviously had that discouraging defeat to Juve uh, two weeks ago, um, but they're, otherwise they're winning consistently consistently against um, the lesser lights in the league, and they've overcome Lazio, Inter, and Napoli as well already this season, um, all in games where both sides scored. So it's not just that they're that they're they're beating sort of cannon fodder. Um, Interestingly, as well with, with Chalanoglu, is he kind of revived uh, the manager's um, kind of contract last season, where um, Pioli got a, a two-week, two-year extension, two weeks um, after the last meeting between Milan and Atalanta, where Chalanoglu scored a free kick. Um, and in that period, I think he, he scored in six of Milan's eleven games um, towards the end of 2019-20. Um, and they've carried that form over into this season where they've just, it's now just one defeat in 30 Serie A matches since losing to Genoa back in March. Uh, at that point back in March, they were languishing in seventh and they were they were 26 points behind Lazio and 24 behind Juve. So you could you could really see why um, the manager was under, under a lot of pressure, but things have completely turned around for them. Um, obviously, a lot of focus on this game will be on Ibra. Uh, he's played for both clubs. Sorry, not played for both clubs. He's played for all the clubs in all the top clubs in Italy, not Atalanta. Um, but yeah, he's he's been splashed over the front page of La Gazzetta um, and just all sorts of things going on with with Ibra. But he's again been um, scoring in the big fixtures. Um, grand old age of 39 now. He uh, he scored against Juve in a 4-2 win last season. Um, he's got 22 goals in 26 league games since returning to Milan. 12 of those have come in the first half. I wondered whether that might be an angle to get at given his age, but he is still scoring late on in games as well and not necessarily getting getting subbed off too early. So, yeah, um, he's five to, five to four to score any time, which I felt was quite a decent value pick based upon those goal stats. It's clearly decent opposition um, that they're playing against here. Atalanta aren't impenetrable at all, but... Um, I, I found better plays to be honest. Um, free scoring Atalanta as well, so they've only bagged only Inter have bagged one uh, bag more goals than than them this season. Um, they obviously did very well from a Champions League group, which was quite tricky given that Liverpool were kind of almost certainties to to qualify from that. Um, so that one nil away away win in Amsterdam that they managed kind of proved that they weren't just one trick ponies where they try and just outscore the opposition as well. And they're unbeaten in 12 in all competitions um, compared to kind of during the Champions League group stages in, in sort of the autumn. I felt like they were kind of struggling with with that back to with that massive congestion there. 
one of many teams really in the, the top European clubs who weren't really managing to get results in both competitions. Um, but yeah, recently I think um, they've obviously had quite a lot of successful seasons and that has coincided with with them being a lot better in this fixture. They've only lost one of the last 10 to, to Milan uh, since 2015. Um, seven of those have been drawn, but pre to, to Ibra joining, they, they absolutely dominated this game. It was 5-0 to Atalanta December 2019. Um, I do think things have changed quite considerably there since since Ibra's got back. He's I mean, his agent, Raiola, kind of points to how he is literally 90% of the of the Milan success is, is based upon him. And he really put in some groundwork at the beginning of this season. I think a lot of the players as well, he's kind of mentoring that club. One other player who's been really key, I feel, is, is Donnarumma in goal. Um, he's conceding just one goal a game when we're in a league, which is averaging 3.11. And he's now, only, I think, I can't remember how old he is. He's only like 21 or 22. Now in his sixth season as first-team keeper, um, and looking at the, the data, he is by far the best in the league. Um, he's he's t- he's top for post shot post shot xG, um, basically meaning that he's overperforming in his in the in the um, shots he he saves. Whereas many other keepers are kind of about he's kind of saved three point five goals more than he was he'd be expected to so far this season. He's also intercepted the most crosses in the league, 17, which compares to just seven for Sportiello, his, his opposite number in this fixture. So, um, And he has the second highest save percentage in the league of 73%, whereas Sportiello is just 63%. So I think these are some key stats, two key players, Ibra and, and Donnarumma. Um, there's, there's are, there are some kind of problems without Hernandez and Chalanoglu, but I, I basically rate Milan better than I think the bookies are currently giving them credit for um one stat which is quite nice is they've scored exactly two goals in 13 of 18 games this season which is just i was looking at the the exact total goals exact across the clubs in the league and that is by far the standout of any club scoring like consistently the same amount of goals um for atalanta they've only they've only scored exactly two goals in two of 18 games so you can get 13 to 5 on milan to score exactly two goals um, and I quite like that. I, I don't think that anyone's going to run away with this game. Um, I think that has a very good chance. And clearly, Milan have been consistent. Um, so I'll, I'll have a go at that one. Um, and then my other main bet, I think, is, is just Milan double chance and over 2.5 goals at 7-4 to four with bet 365. Um, I didn't realise that Rebic was going to be back. So that's that gives a, a bit of benefit to this as well with, with hopefully a goal-laden game. He's He's benefited since... Um, Ibra's arrival as well, kind of playing off the, on the left of him. Um, one other thing, maybe just to quickly note as well, and I've mentioned quite a lot of bets here, but this one won't go down as an official play, but um, Ibra has missed three of five pens he's taken this season, and Sportiello has saved two of the three he's faced. Mariani is the ref. Um, he's given a pen in four of his last seven uh, Serie A matches, um, and overall his average is, is fairly av- is fairly um it's fairly standard at, at 0.33 per game so exactly one for every three matches he refs but um i think base ac to miss um a penalty at 16 to 1 bet 365 could have legs in a in a game with a, a decent um decent kind of 
referee for penalties and, a, and a, some stats that kind of support potentially Ibra taking that penalty and missing it. Um, otherwise, he's, he, the ref has been very cold for red cards, particularly right now. Maybe he clearly prefers um, games with fans. He's only given two in his last 20 in all competitions and, and Atalanta are not, a, are not a team that see many red cards in their games. So, yeah, for me, um, some some things that might suggest that Milan should be a bit bigger than they'd usually be, but not not as big as as nine to five. Um, so I like Milan to score exactly two goals at thirteen to five with William Hill, and also Milan double chance on over two point five goals at seven to four with Bet three six five. Lovely scene setter, Will. I don't know where you get these stats or how you find the stats, but uh, credit to you. It's always good to listen to your views and your angles of attack. Great stuff. Okay, we're going to move to Sunday night for Le Derby in Ligue 1. It's the Rhône-Alpes derby between Saint-Étienne and Lyon, two really fierce neighbours and former dominant forces of French football colliding. Uh, Lyon's title challenge suffering a damaging defeat at Metz last weekend. They're still very hot favourites to win this game at around 1-2. to two. That's 1.5 in decimals. We sent Etienne, the hosts of 15-2, to two, which is around 8.5. Uh, we'll come back to you then, Will. What's your view on the big one from France on Sunday night? Yeah, again, unfortunately, another game that's massively impacted by COVID-19. So that, that was a, the first kind of thing to to review, really. And Saint-Étienne opened at 9-2, um, to two, but they drifted out to 15-2. to two. Um, In the last week or so, yeah, they identified 18 cases of COVID-19 in the, amongst the playing and coaching staff. So... so um, but unfortunately, not enough to prevent um, their matches happening. They, they were one player off um, being eligible for the postponement. So these key players missing um, is kind of, yeah, just thrown them off a bit because they were recovering from some really awful form. Um, and then now they've lost back-to-back games against, um, who is it again? I'm sorry, I've lost track of it. It was Strasbourg and, and uh, Rom, I believe. Um, so there, there's also, I was reading in, um, in the French newspapers online that four of those players, four of those 10 that were out will return, but they're not, um, disclosing who they are. So it makes trying to predict this quite, quite difficult. Um, and unless they get five more COVID cases, the game's definitely going to go ahead and Claude Puel won't ask for, he can't really ask for a postponement because without that scenario, it'll just be given as a walkover, three-nil defeat. So tough to really picture um, picture this game. And I mean, Leon themselves have been had been uh, probably in their best goal-scoring form um, and really get re- going very well. I think there were 16 games unbeaten, um, and unfortunately, then just uh, ended up with a one-nil defeat to Mets at the weekend. So. It's, um, yeah, kind of a, an end to some good form for both teams, but not to say that they can re- turn it around. But for Saint-Étienne, without those key players, maybe maybe we're a lot more difficult. Um, we're past halfway in France now, so I'd already, we're in game week 21. I'd already touched on this game because we had it earlier in the season. And I think I tipped tipped up um, some cards in uh, in um, any other business on back in November. Um where there was eight cards in that match um, and a late missed penalty, actually, which would have seen uh, Les Verts tie the game against Lyon. And something really that I think probably is, it's maybe not gone under the radar, but Saint-Étienne, despite their woes down in 16th, they've 
they have uh, managed to draw against both PSG and Lille um, in the last couple games at home. Um, again, at home here, it's just really hard to write them off for me. Um, those both times in playing against PSG and Lille, they they went ahead, but they managed they didn't manage to hold on to to the match, and that's something that could be of interest. And it's quite a large price to to um, for something similar to happen. You can get. 40 to 1 on um, a first half result to be Saint Etienne and the full time score to be 1 1 at Bet365. Um, so it's quite a particular thing, but that has that was how it played out against Lille. Um, and you never know, might might see that again here. Um, but I wouldn't go too big with anything based upon those, those players that are missing. Um, in terms of how um, Garcia reacted for, for Leon's defeat to Mets. He said it uh, leaves a bitter taste because they didn't really, it's not deserved um, what, hap- what happened in that game, given what they produced. Um, but they only managed to get 20% of their 22 shots on target. So then obviously they, he said he wasn't surprised that they don't score and they only had themselves to blame. Um, you know, you can't, it's, it's a bit of a league where you can't afford to make mistakes. Um, a bit like what people have been saying um for Liverpool they can't afford to slip up with with how good City are and for, for Leon it's the same with how good PSG are that you can't really lose matches like that or you've got maybe one or two that you can do that in the whole season if you do it more than that you, you're out of a chance of winning the title really um yeah but key key thing as well really with, with Saint-Etienne is that one of the biggest underperformers, if not the biggest underperformer in the league for XG. They rank ninth on, on most metrics, but find themselves down in 16th. So at that point, you know, when I first saw 15 to 2, I thought, ah, oh, this is quite a, a bloated price. But I didn't I hadn't been aware about the the uh, COVID cases. Um, Benoit uh, Bastien is the referee, which is a, a lovely appointment. Um, he's got he's a 0.31 reds per game, which is puts him fifth of 23 active league gun refs um and he's quite quite high overall just for for cards per game fourth uh fourth most at 4.32 he's red carded leon two of the three times he refed them in 2020 um and based upon bastien and, and the team's stats i make the red price about two to one but um because we're recording this on a thursday and this is the sunday night game we don't have red card odds yet um i expect it'll be three to one also for a red card at Paddy Power Betver, who are usually top price on on red cards in France. So, in, if that's the case, I think it's a one-unit play. Given it's a derby for me, and given that I mean that the fact that I make it two to one is it doesn't actually even consider that it's a derby. That's just based upon on the team stats over the last couple of years and the referee. So, um, something that I pointed out a couple of times on the podcast recently is that France is, is averaging the most red cards of all Europe's top, top leagues, 0.28 per game, which is considerably higher than even the last previous four seasons, which obviously had fans. Um, the, the average over those four seasons is 0.25. So as well as, yeah, the lowest, lowest fouls per card ratio as well, which is something I've rattled, rattled on about. But basically in France, we're actually getting uh, a card to given quicker than than ever before it's down to sort of like 5.5 fouls um that for every 5.5 fouls there's a yellow card which in other leagues during the pandemic it's gone it's gone the other way so 
two quite feisty teams. Saint-Etienne are seventh for cards per game. Lyon have the joint most red cards this season with five. So it's, it's obviously a fixture with a bit of history. There's been 12 reds in the last 36 head-to-heads. So I think it suggests every all the stats point to around, I would have it at two to one. Um, but it might you might be able to get three to one. So so that's my, my main play. But I just obviously I can't tip it completely given um, we don't have the prices yet. But I'll, I'll put it up as a, a mythical price. Um, one other thing to look at might be um, Dennis Buanga is the usual penalty taker for Saint-Étienne. Um, but he is most likely one of those sort of six players that will be still sidelined. Um, and given Wabi Kazri is also out injured, it should mean that Riyad Boudaboos, um will be uh, on penalties. And he actually took one against uh, Strasbourg, even though he missed it last weekend. Um, so I, I like the six to one on him to score any time. But I will probably... Again, rather wait for lineups because depending on who comes back from from uh, isolation, he may not start. Um, but one to one to, to note down there that six to one is on Budaboos with Paddy Power. So yeah, my main play would be a red card and then Budaboos to score any time if I can get on it and maybe have a little look at that forty to one if you if you fancy it. Nice one, Tom Saint Etienne against Lyon on Sunday night. Talk us through your plays and the reasons for them. Yeah, very much like Will. It's been interrupted a bit by the the COVID news around Saint-Étienne. I was initially looking at Saint-Étienne with a one and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap at around 1.93. Not sure if I'll take that now. Um, It it really does depend on team news. Who who they have back is going to be massive, so... I won't be playing anything definitely until we know that. I'd prefer to have all that information available before pulling the trigger on on something like that. But the yeah, Will mentioned that Sanatiana are, are kind of underperforming given their data, and that did crop up to me as well. But under Puel, they're they're a team that play under the finest of margins, and this this is how it can go sometimes. You've seen it with Sheffield United this season in the Premier League. It went for them last season. It hasn't gone for them this season. It can make a massive difference to how your your points tally actually comes about. So, yeah, it's always a worry. Um, if you look at their data, the kind of the XG for and XG against is, is identical, um, both around 1.2-ish. So, yeah, I'm not expecting a ton of goals here, to be fair. Um, I think that Saint-Étienne will try and defend. We've seen them against PSG in the Cup and in the league recently. Perform really well, actually. Um, one thing that the manager knows how to do is to set his team up against the the big, the big boys to kind of get something out of it. Um, they've played Monaco, Lille, uh, Marseille and PSG this season and, and not lost in any of them. And they gave PSG a great game in the cup final in the summer as well. So they're very competitive. Um, and yeah, I'd be keen on them with a good start in the Asian handicap here if the a couple of key players are playing. Um, Rhett Sos was has come in, the Greek centre-half. Um, and he, he's been starting quite often, but he didn't start 
last time out and it's kind of a problem area for for Livert because they've they've not got um like Pet on there anymore. He's at Marseille. Fafana obviously is at Leicester and Saliba is, is at Arsenal but it's been uh dished out all, all the way back to France to Nice. So they've kind of got a bit of a problem area there at centre-half, but they did keep Strasbourg to one goal. Um, Camaro, who's usually central midfielder, played at centre-half and did well by all accounts. He, he can play there. He's quite athletic. He, he's big enough as well. Um, he's a defensive-minded player as it is, so it's not, not too much to worry about there. But I think uh, Mukordi, who was at... Um, Middlesbrough, I think he was last season. Uh, he he's been playing kind of as a backup centre half. He wasn't playing either. So yeah, it's very much going to boil down to team news on this. But I would be looking at Sant with a start there at the one and a quarter. So he basically make money if they won, drew, or even lost by a goal, um, which does appeal. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at um, who could be playing in the forward areas for for the horse here. And I really hope Adil Awishia gets a start. He's a youngster who they brought in from PSG um, about a year ago now, I think. Um, really highly thought of at PSG, but a lot of their good youngsters are, are actually leaving the club because they see no way of getting into the starting eleven, which is completely fair enough, quite admirable. Um, he's someone who could add that spark that they've been missing going forward. He's... It's a strange signing because he isn't really a, a typical San Etienne signing, but if he does get a start, I think that he could shine. He's, he's six to one to score any time with Paddy Power. Um, again, it's going to depend on team news, but if he does start, he'll be in kind of a front three, and six to one looks really big. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, I, I expect Sam to give him a good game. They've only lost by two or more goals in two of the last twelve. They kept the score in the this reverse meeting down to two one. Um so yeah, I think that Leon are way too short, even though uh they have been pretty decent this season. Um but they're they're coming off a loss against Mets at home, which is a really terrible result for Legon. So yeah, I'm I'm all over Sant with a start if we can get a decent team line up. Um but yeah, I'll go into the cards as well. Obviously, we don't have a price at the minute as as well. But Benoit Bastien, or the bastard, as I like to call him, <laughs> he's got the whistle, and uh, yeah, he's quite candid at dishing them out. Um, the last six games between these two have seen fifteen cards apiece. Uh, the last one ended five three on cards to Leon. Again, before that, ended four four on cards so I'd be looking at both teams over one card if you can get anything around four to five or bigger that's going to be gobbled up um, by me I think if you look at the the card records of both I think Leon have seen two or more cards in 70% and Saint-Etienne have seen two or more cards in 75% uh, given you've got a good ref here the derby factor obviously Leon very much the white collar club of the region Sant kind of the working class Blue collar club, uh, putting that there's not going to be any fans here because it's always a great occasion, especially at the Jeffrey Guichard. 
Um, so yeah, it's a bit gutting in that in that sense. But I do think that cards are definitely a good way to go in, even if the team lineups are um, quite different because because of the magnitude of the game. I, I like the red card shot from Will. Um, but I'm I'm actually focusing in on the central midfielders for Leon, especially if Awisha starts in that attacking midfield role. Even if he doesn't, they've got the likes of Buda Boos who draws plenty of fouls. And a lot of central midfielders for Leon have been carded in this fixture. Um, the likes of Lucas Toussaint, Bruno Guimaraes, Kakare, uh, Paqueta is, is someone who's coming to Leon this season and picked up quite a few cards. So check out who's going to be starting central midfield for Leon. Um, I'm particularly looking at Paqueta and Bruno Guimaraes. If you can get kind of three to one or bigger about that on either of them to be carded, I'll be taking that too. So yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare that we've not got that many markets in this game and we don't really know who's going to be starting for San Etienne, but I do think Leon are too short. I think the goal line's a bit high as well at three. Um, probably rather take the unders than the overs there around 1.75 but yeah my main bet would be in the cards market if we can get a price on that and Sant with a one and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap Lovely stuff Um, just to repeat for the listeners who was the 6-1 goal scorer you you pinpointed and can you try and spell his name to help people who might be trying (laughs) to look for that bet yeah, it's a player called, it's quite hard to pronounce. I'm going to give it a go. Adil Awishe. So it's A D I L and then A O U C H I C H E. Yeah, not many people will have heard of him, but you'll definitely have heard of him in a couple of years' time. San Etienne do really well at kind of developing these players, the likes of Saliba, Fofana as well. But he, he's a player that they've managed to get through the door and. He was on the bench last week at Strasbourg. Um, I think they need his kind of ingenuity in the final third, so hopefully he starts. Six to one looks way too big. Lovely stuff. And also really enjoyed your French accents and also your Portuguese accents in there while pronouncing some of the players' names. Tom, great stuff. <laughs> but uh, just, to, uh, just to add my tuppence worth as well, um, you kind of touched on it there as well right at the end. Um I did think uh, Leon were, were drastically overpriced or underpriced, you could say, uh, for the game. But uh, as you said as well, the goal line does look quite high. And this is a derby game. Derby games tend to be quite close and competitive, despite what's happening team news wise. And from a San Etienne perspective, Claude Puel is under huge pressure. Uh, things haven't really gone his way. Uh, the sale of Fafana hasn't helped things. And they went through a dreadful run of results, seem to be coming through it. But again, form seems to have dipped yet again. And I just think he and his team are going to be hell-bent on trying to avoid defeat in this game, which could see quite a pragmatic, quite defensive approach to this one and asking Leon to try and break them down. Leon didn't manage to do that against Metz last weekend, so I wouldn't be too surprised if Saint-Etienne tried to follow a very similar blueprint. So I looked at the under-three goal line. You mentioned the price. It's already been chipped in a little bit to, to 175. I think it was around 180 uh, on Thursday morning, which means if you take that, you need four or more goals for your bet to lose. And two of the last 20 derbies between these two teams have featured four or more goals. But uh, right, that's enough from me. Let's move on to the best bit of the show, the naps, the next bests and the long shots. Uh, Tom, uh, no, Will, I'll come to you first, actually, as I normally do. Your long shots, seven to two or larger, please. 
Yeah, I'm sticking sticking with France with another goal scorer with maybe a bit easier to pronounce the or spell the name than Buda Boos and Aouiche. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going for Clement uh, Grenier to score any time in Rennes versus Lille. Uh, I believe it's Sunday afternoon at 4pm or something. Um, yeah, so so with Rennes, Seiru Girassi and Jorginho uh, Rutter uh, are both out up front still for them so um <clears throat> the responsibility for for um spot kicks has fallen to um to grenier um of which one came his way last weekend against brest um and yeah he's also anyway just scored three in his last four games the others were not from the spot um he's playing in a bit more an advanced role um especially against brest he was up top with um martin terrier um in a 4-4-2 um, and in the other two games which he scored, he was uh, he was kind of playing a little bit further advancing than normally with because um, he kind of hasn't featured that much for them over the last year or so. Um, and then with Nzonzi and Kamavinga there, he's he's kind of able to play a bit further forward uh, when those strikers are out. Um, so he's been given that extra license um, and yeah, scored scored first in both games against Leon and Mets. Um, and that makes it his best scoring season since 2017-18 when he was at Gangwon. Um, so, yeah, Lille, obviously, Lille are obviously no easy challenge. Second in the league, second best defensive record. But Ren are still going um, great guns in, in fifth, despite the, the, the strain of Champions League football earlier in the season and all the injuries to their forwards they've had to endure. So... Grenier should get some chances. I just feel that he's he's five to one to score any time with with Bet three six five and with Paddy Power and Betfair. Um, price seems a little bit inflated, really, because of the penalty um, factor and just because of how much further forward he's playing. Um, unfortunately, um, Poker Stars they have this new market um, in their props section, but they haven't got around to this game yet. They've done all the earlier Sunday French games. Uh, but they they have a a market called to score inside the box um, or to score inside the 16 yard box or something like that. I can't remember what they say, but um, which obviously I quite like the idea of giving these on penalties. It's another alternative to doing the bet victor method of goal markets. Um, so when they do get round to that, if you can get anything around sort of seven or eight to one or more, I would take that um, as opposed to the five to one on just an anytime goal scorer bet. The ref is Eric Watelia. He is fourth out of 24 um, active league on refs for his pens per game, which is on 0.38 as well. So more than one in one in every three, just a bit more. Um, so, yeah, Grenier to score anytime uh, will be what I put up just because the other markets haven't been priced. But, yeah, five to one with uh, Bet365, Paddy Power, Betfair. Lovely stuff. Over to you then, Tom. Your long shot, please. Yeah, well, it's actually someone that I mentioned on our um, Telegram group the other day. It actually came up trumps for us. Um, Christian Bielik for Derby. Uh, Derby are involved in the only game that we got in the championship this Saturday against your beloved QPR, Mark. And you don't need me to mention how bad QPR have been at the back. I think they did manage a clean sheet against Cardiff, um, but it's a completely out of sorts Cardiff side, and Derby is starting to kind of pick up. Um, they've been pretty solid under Rooney, and obviously that win against Bournemouth is going to be a real confidence booster for them. 
And yeah, Bielik is someone who came up in my research when I was doing this um, for the midweek game against Bournemouth, and I thought that he was too big uh, in the shots market. Um, he was around five to six for a shot, nine to two for two shots, and he was eighteen to one any time, um, forty to one to score first. Backed all four of them, and he scored first and managed two shots in the game. So. Uh, came up trumps for us there, and I'm I'm happy to go in again because he's still a he's not 18 to one, which is understandable because the level of opposition is much less in QPR compared to Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know it is, Mark. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in because he's 10 to one any time with um, Bet365. Basically, he's a, he's a player who's usually employed as kind of a single pivot in a four. 1-2-2-1 two, two, formation. That's kind of where he's revelled in the past. Uh, but Rooney's actually playing him further forward. He, I thought that they'd be playing a, a midfield three of Shinny, Evans and, and Bewick against Bournemouth. Turns out they actually played uh, George Evans as a centre-half in a three and played Bewick alongside Shinny in midfield. Um, but not only is getting further forward and getting shots off. He's a big lad and he's a massive threat in the box. We saw that against Bournemouth. Went up for the header, uh, dropped back down to him and he poked it in from the corner. So he's just as much of a threat from set-piece situations and 10 to 1 is just, again, it's too big. If you can get anything kind of double figure on him in the coming weeks, I'm going to be all over it. Um, If you look at his shot rate, Record his last seven games read one two zero one three zero two, which is strong, especially for someone who's meant to be a defensive midfielder. Scored against uh, Sheffield Wednesday away from home recently, and obviously scored that that goal, the the winning goal last time out as well. And yeah, so ten to one for a player that's kind of cropping up on. My, my radar quite often as someone who's been played further forward. He's a threat in the box. He's a threat from all sorts of situations. He's in great form too uh, against a team that concede a lot a lot on the data, a lot in, a lot off the data as well in real life. Um, I think that they've they've got that price wrong. I'd have him more six to one. So ten to one's uh, a great price, and I'm happy to go in on that. So it's Christian Bielik for Derby against QPR, Saturday three pm. Score any time. Ten to one with Bet three six five. You're uh, you're risking a written warning for that, Tom. Uh, I have to say that's the last time I'll hear you slagging off the super hoops. Um, but yeah, you are due a, a winner for your podcast long shot. It's been a couple of weeks now. You're slacking, so you cleaned yeah. up on this in midweek, so fingers crossed, lightning strikes twice again this weekend in a QPR victory. But uh, we'll move on now to uh, the next best. It's not your nap, it's your next best, and I will stay with you, Tom, so far away. Yeah, um, no surprise I'm going into Italy um, this weekend. Some good fixtures. Some, some great fixtures across the board in Europe, to be fair. Um, you've got Monaco versus Marseille. Mönchengladbach versus um, Dortmund tomorrow night, Friday night as well. But I'm going to go to Sunday, Lazio or Sassuolo. And um, I really like a a fun game to watch here. So I'm going to take over one match goal 
and each team over one card, which is 21 to 20 with Bet365. It's just a game that I think I think is kind of prime for everything here. Uh, you've got good, two good teams for cards, a good ref, and good teams for goals as well. So I'll just run you through uh, the stats that I've got written down for it. Lazio have seen over 1.5 goals in 18 of 18 Serie A games this season. Every game has seen over 1.5. No surprise there. Under Inzaghi, uh, Sassuolo have seen over one goal in 15 of 18 including eight of nine away. Uh, Lazio have seen two or more cards in every home game this season. We've seen three or more cards in eight of nine at home and four or more in five of nine at the Olympico. Their opposition have seen two or more cards copping 16 of 18, including eight of nine at home. So it's showing that they're happy to get in, involved in some battles. As well, I've seen two or more cards in 13 of 18. Not Lazio, but still good. And their opponents have seen two or more cards in 16 of 18, including eight of nine away. So the the cards factor looks really strong here. Um, so does the goals. And then you've got a ref in Antonio Gia, who's given four or more cards in uh, five or six um, league games this season. Five or more in four or six as well. Uh, it's just got a really strong record from last season to kind of 17 of 20, I think it was. Uh, he'd seen four or more cards given out. He's averaging around 5.3 per game since the start of last season too. So good ref for it. Uh, two teams that will go for the win. Sassuolo aren't going to come here for a draw. And Lazio at home always seem to go for it. So, yeah, I'm expecting cards, but I'm also expecting goals. And to get odds against... I mean, it's a nice way in. Again, it's quite short in the card markets and the goal markets on their own. Why don't you combine them and get a nice price? So that'll be my nap. Um, not my nap, my next best. Over one goal and each team over one card. 21 to 20 with the bet builder on Bet365. Lovely stuff. Over to you then, Will, for your next best. Yeah, I'm going to um, dip into... An entertaining fixture, at least it was earlier in September. Uh, Schalke Bayern, um, <laughs> Bayern, Bayern won that game eight nil in September, when yeah, Schalke were particularly stinking out of the place. Um, and but this one's back at Gelsenkirchen, where well, I'm not sure you could say you've picked up lately, but they've they've slightly improved. Schalke, they're on their fourth manager of the season. They fired uh, head coach Manuel Baum um, and put in Christian Gross. Um, with a with a tough task that he's uh, obviously people might remember him from um, his Spurs days. Um, we well only nine months worth where in the late nineties where he got some awful press and just <laughs> yeah and thirty three percent win ratio. I mean Spurs were not that great back then at that time, but still um, he's done a lot better elsewhere since leaving then. But um, whether or not he can turn this around, they're still bottom of the league on seven points. Doesn't look too too likely um still looks exactly the same as well yeah he does actually <laughs> just a little um, bit fatter <laughs> yeah um Schalke got some interesting things going on in the striking department um Vedad Ibisevic had a squabble um and his his contract's been paid up and Nabil Bentaleb obviously not a striker but he's training individually alone until further notice 
Um, Gonzalo Paciencia is still uh, on the mend from a knee operation. They've just brought back in uh, Huntelaar after three years away from Schalke. <clears throat> um, but the veteran, yeah, he's uh, returned from Ajax, um, but he's injured at the moment as well. Um, who goes buying injured strikers? I don't know. But <laughs> Schalke. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's going to put the respons- responsibility um, on an American youngster um, in this mass- for this massive tie for them. Matthew Hopp. Um, I'm not sure if I'm getting his name spelled co- said correctly. If it might be Hopper, but I think it's Hop. Um, yeah, he's uh, yeah learning his another American. Yeah, learning his his trade in in the Bundesliga. Scored in all of his last three appearances, um, including yeah, a mad hat trick against Hoffenheim, where Schalke won four nil despite um, having the same number of attempts on goal as as TSG. And yeah, it just puts um, the, the kid on. Uh, top scorer um in 2021 level with uh, Lewandowski so two informed strikers here um I, I I think we could see a Schalke goal um and Hopper is uh he's 12 to 5 to score any time at bet 365 most bookies um haven't got a price up yet because both teams played last night as well so not all markets are live for this one yet but um you might get bigger than that that's that's not my next best it's just a, a note side note worth looking into um, but my, my next best is Spion to win and over 3.5 goals, just shy of evens. Um, it's a silly price at Betway. It's seven to eight, which is in decimal 1.88, which is a bit bigger than the next you can get on, on Bet365. You can get five to six, which is 1.83. So, so worth going with Bet, Betway on that if you, if you fancy it. Um, obviously, given the eight meeting earlier in the season, Bayern won by four more goals than would be required to win this bet. Um, yeah, Salif Sane is out as well. I probably, I forgot to mention, so a key, key defensive uh, absentee. Um, they've conceded eight more goals than anyone else in the league at a rate of 2.6 per game, uh, whereas Bayern is scoring 2.9 per game. So it, it looks kind of nailed on for Bayern to get three, really, if you look at the stats like that. Um, they're likely to field their strongest 11 because they slipped up against Mönchengladbach. And then they obviously got humiliated, getting knocked out um, the cut by Holstein Kiel. Um, so, yeah, Schalke haven't won this fixture at the Veltins since 2005. It's clear I would not give it much chance for happening now. But I just think Bayern could stretch their legs again here in this game. And the, the Asian handicap line is at two, minus 2.25 for Bayern. So they're expecting them to win by just shy of three goals. And... I think Schalke could could get on the score sheet as well. That's why I preferred this approach rather than the the, the minus handicaps. But yeah, I just it should be a fairly straightforward win for top versus bottom Bayern um, to win an over three point five goals. Yeah, I watched Schalke's game in midweek against Cologne, and uh, they're actually pretty decent. Should have deserved at least a point from that game, if not more. Going forward, they were quite lively defensively, though. Just. Uh, just complete absence of defensive uh, capabilities there, particularly for the winning goal. Uh, just mindless defending, but that's been Schalke all season, really. So if they do that again at the weekend against Bayern, it could be curtains, early doors, and uh, I'd expect Bayern to run up a cricket score yet again. But uh, let's move on. Uh, the part I always enjoy is the naps, the best bets of the weekend. So back to you, Tom, for your best bet of the weekend. Yeah, sticking in Italy again. Um, we've already mentioned the Milan... Atalanta game going on at exactly the same time, five o'clock on Saturday. 
is the other Milan, Inter Milan, away at Udinese. And I think the price on Inter Milan to, uh, to win and Inter Milan to score over one goal at 20-21 to 21 with Bet365 looks a, cr- a cracking way in there. I thought that that would be around 4-5. to five. Uh, So you're getting almost even money about that. And yeah, the, we've mentioned the Scudetto, uh, the Scudetto title race being firm we on now. And um, Inter have a serious, uh, serious case to be made to um, actually win the league. We mentioned them. Uh, was it last week you said who's going to win the Serie A Scudetto? And I went for Inter Milan. And it's because I really... I think they're, they're such a solid team to get with this season. Um, they've won nine of the last 11 games in the league. Deserving winners over Juve last time out, weren't they? Respecting... So good, weren't they? They were absolutely fantastic in that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was cursing Juventus there. <laughs> but I, I can't re-watch that game, actually. Um, and it was so obvious that Juventus was struggling to get in behind Inter. They couldn't find a way of getting up the pitch as a team. And that was all down to good management from Conte. Um, really did a job on them. Going forward, they were they did what they had to do. Um, dominated and, and defensively, they were outstanding, which is not really like them, given they don't keep a whole host of clean sheets, especially this season. Um, but yeah, they scored two two or more again, and that's made it 13 of 18 league games have scored two or more. Not quite good as uh, AC, but I do think that they can score two two goals here, and um, if they do, they should win. Um, because Udinese don't have massive threats going forward, and Udinese are actually in quite poor form. Um, they were under the cosh. I watched that game against Atalanta midweek and Atalanta weren't great but it was all the away side there Udinese they scored in in the first minute Pereira scored in the first minute and they just sat back um, managed to scrape a point out of that but they've won just four out of a uh, four out of 18 league games this season lost to Juve Milan Napoli Roma already this season Um They've seen over one goal in 73% of their games too. And 11 of 12 Inter games have seen over one goal. Um, 11 of 12 Inter wins, I should say, have seen over one goal. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fancying Inter to get the job done pretty comfortably here. Um, you can take them 4-7 uh, to seven to win and, and get the kind of early payout option. But I think if they do score two, I can't see Udinese coming back. And, and getting anything there and yeah they're, they're just lacking any kind of serious uh, threat going forward um, should be three points for uh, Inter Udinese not one in eight they've lost four of the last six as well I know that the data stacks up pretty well uh, surprisingly but they seem to impress me more on the road at home they, they tend to be quite poor and uh, they did obviously play midweek Inter didn't so uh, a rare midweek free for Inter and I think that they're going to go there and get the job done pretty comfortably could see a 2-0, 3-0 job here so Inter Milan to win and Inter Milan to score over one goal 20-21 um, to 21 with Bet365 I think that's a, a great bet uh, this weekend that'll be my nap Good stuff over to you then Will for your favourite fancy of the weekend 
Yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't help going dipping into the Premier League, even though we've only, we've only got one weekend fixture. Um, but Villa v Newcastle just looked like a bit of a um, yeah top uh, a good game in terms of one sided um, predictability for me. Really, um, Newcastle last time out dared to kind of challenge Arsenal at the Emirates, starting started all three of Joel and Andy Carroll and Callum Wilson, which which didn't work out um three nil defeat and they were they were just so poor at getting balls into the box when you've got when you needed to with the opportunity to target Andy Carroll and just one shot on target all game um and I just think they now face arguably a better side um in in Villa um Villa were decent against City they pushed them to the 79th minute to get the breakthrough um just you know, one of those games where they didn't really take their the couple chances they had um and City found the, found the breakthrough. Dean Smith got sent to the Sands after getting irate about an offside call and giving John Moss what for. So I'm assuming he won't be on the sideline for this. Um, but looking at looking at XG ratio, Villa are uh, a fourth in the league, um, even even after that 2-0 defeat for, to City, just because there's such a gap to um, to, back to fifth um, on that metric. Yeah. So Leicester behind them, sort of like by sort of like five percentage points. Um, kind of obviously a main driver of this is Jack Grealish and there's been a there was a nice graphic I saw about him a couple of weeks ago which was um how how is he has by far the most penalty box entries in the league he's averaging three passes into the box per game and 3.6 carries into the box um per game as well so he's obviously their leading light and and that's that's by far like that's sort of combined that's sort of two penalty box entries more per game than any other player in the Premier League. But he he isn't really just um, doing all the heavy lifting on his own. Trezeguet, who could start to come back, I'm not sure he'll feature in this game, but um, is back soon. And and Ollie Watkins is still on that kind of radar for penalty box entries. But Villa, are, they've got kind of three options um, on the right side, um, right going forward. They can they can choose between Trezeguet, Al-Ghazi, um, God, who's it? Uh, Bertrand Traore as well. So um, lots of options for them at the moment. And Newcastle cannot really say the same thing. I just think it's going to be quite a straightforward meeting, something we would normally um, kind of be synonymous with a sort of mid-table or bottom half Premier League meeting and and now really isn't. Um, Arsenal actually rank way worse than Villa on pretty much every metric. Uh, they were two to five to beat Newcastle at home, and Villa at eight to fifteen. So something in the name, I feel there, um, that was involved in the pricing, and and Chelsea were actually shorter than um, shorter than Villa are here as well. Even at St James's Park, um, Chelsea are four to nine um, when they beat them a couple of weeks back, and um, Villa are level pegging pretty much on every on all the data with Chelsea. So. I think there's a little bit of juice in the in the Villa price. It has come in slightly, actually, unfortunately. But I still I still like him. Um, minus one point five Asian handicap at thirteen to ten with Bet Victor. So that's my nap. But I, I just a couple nods to some other things as well. Um, I quite like the idea of El Ghazi to score a penalty if he plays. Um, it's not obviously guaranteed because of what I said around Traore and and Trezeguet as well. Um, if if Al Ghazi doesn't, then maybe Ollie Watkins sees six to one. So with Bet Victor as well, uh, Simon Hooper is is the ref, and he's the fourth highest of all of twenty 
active Premier League referees for, for penalties per game at 0.31. So um, that's one interest for me. And then obviously the other interest is um, on people fouling Jack Grealish. <laughs> um, and one thing I noticed in the in the Arsenal uh, Newcastle game was just the frantic sort of tracking behaviour of um, Miguel Almiron. Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really. I mean, this season he's he's not been like carded for it. He made one fairly bad tackle against uh, Arsenal, and that was actually his only foul of the game. It wasn't given, but um, I feel like if he tries to do the same thing to pro- pro- to protect whoever plays right back for Newcastle, I think it'll be Yedlin. Um, then I feel like Almiron could be the kind of um, player to kind of lose it a little bit um, around Grealish. He's five to one with Bet Victor. Um, not all bookies have got prices up as well yet, so might get bigger than that. Um, and that so that will be a, a one that I'll I'll record on the the any other business sort of column for for P and L. But um, one other quick, very quick one to mention is Fabian Shah, who will probably be the right-sided centre-back of a five-man defence. Um, and he's one of the highest-carded players in the Premier League. Um, 33% of games in his Newcastle career and 29% overall his whole lifetime around all leagues. He's best price 11-5 to five at the moment. But um, if you can get anywhere where around 3-1 to one or more, I would, I would do that. I w- probably wouldn't back it at the 11-5. to five. Uh, just because Simon Cooper is one of the lowest in the business for cards, um, but I don't think he'll be able to to pass up the opportunity to um, protect Jack Grealish from many fouls that I'll expect from from Newcastle. So, so yeah, the nap is Villa minus one point five Asian handicaps. So basically, Villa to win by two clear goals or more, um, and then that Almiron to be carded at five to one with Betvictor. Nice one. Nicely confusing between confusing your Simon Hooper, the referee, with Simon Cooper, the guy from the in-betweeners, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) gave me a little snigger anyway. um, Cool. Uh, I think that's everything covered. So all that's left really is to ask you both if there's any other business. I'll go back to you and Will. Is there anything else that you've mentioned or want to mention that you haven't? Yeah, just quickly. uh, Monaco, Marseille, the card prices are very, very uh, just only slightly up pinnacle have got their lineup um, and Betway have followed them similarly. It's just a it's a game between two the, t- the first and second place in the cards table. Um, Francois Latexier is a is a very good ref appointment as well. Um, he's averaging five per game. Um, it's yeah, it should be some a feisty game really, given where the teams are in the league. Monaco leapfrogged OM. Um, at the moment and yeah over 4.5 cards is 8 to 11 with Betway that's the only bookie with a price so I like the look of that and if you can get any bigger for sure very quickly as well with um, Wellington Phoenix play host to Newcastle Jets Um, my little foray into the A-League didn't go too well at the first hurdle but um, one thing I've noted here is Nigel Bugard um, he's the Newcastle Jets captain, and he's been carded in seven of his last ten games. Um, crazy, really. And he was three to one um, to be carded on Wednesday morning earlier this week, um, and he did get carded. Uh, if you can get three to one again, then it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. He's 34, kind of just it's just an aggressor, really, and he's kind of a bit too slow for some of the forwards around him. And Phoenix are quite a, a lively team. Um, and I like a red card in South of Ego Ibar, but I just, well, I mean, it's ma- mainly because of the referee appointment, Pablo Fuertes, he's 
the highest lifetime reds per game if you look over his whole career anyway um Salta Vigo and Ibar are both fairly cardy teams so that's not really priced up everywhere but 11 to 4 at bet365 would be a small bet for me so far Please stuff. Plenty to get your teeth into there. Uh, over to you, Tom. Anything you haven't mentioned which you want to get out there? Yeah, um, I think that Will strikes on the same game that I'm looking at in the Monaco-Marseille uh, fixture Saturday evening. Um, I, lo- I love the cards angle. It's one that I've kind of pinpointed yesterday. Uh, something that might go in... Um, once we kind of get a few more prices up, um, I'll pro- probably pull the trigger on something there. But the the angle that I like also in this game is Monaco to win four to five with Novi bet. I think that's a, f- a fair price. Uh, Marseille have gone on pretty. They've kind of gone into this run now where they're struggling, and it's no surprise. Awful loss against Nîmes uh, last week, which is one that I kind of rue putting up because I, I hate Marseille and I hate watching them, but. Neem's data was that bad, I had to kind of get against them. They won at the Velodrome, and then Lons won um, midweek. So, yeah, that was Wednesday night they played, and they're playing again. It's not much of a travel uh, to Monaco, but it's it's not ideal, and Monaco are in great form at the minute, and I think 4-5 to five is absolutely fair. Um the player that I, I like, I think, is a massive price. Seventeen to ten to score any time is Kevin Voland. That's with Betfair, Unibet, and uh, Paddy Power all going seventeen to ten. Uh, I think that that's that's a terrific price. Is is a player that's really impressed me of late. Um, he's scored in each of his last five games, um, and he kind of had a, a couple of games where he didn't score before that, but he scored one and then uh, a brace against PSG. And he's a player that's probably too good for that league. I thought I thought it was a great signing when they managed to bring him in. Um, just looking at his who scored ratings of late, 7.9, 8.3, 9.4, 7.7, 8.5, 7.8, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.9, 7.
I was trying to get away. He could get a draw on side. Um, Mets drawn no bets around uh, 1.7, I think you could get, which is a, probably the lowest I'd go on, something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be aware when the cards market comes out that you could kind of manufacture something like um, Mets, uh, Mets double chance and non to over one card, something like that, because uh, non to very good for cards this season. But uh, I've heard Raymond Dominic who came in. Very odd appointment for non to a team. It's a bit of a shambles at that club at the minute. Um, kind of saying that his team did well in the last game. And I was watching that game and, the, and they were crap. So if he thinks mm-hmm. that's, that's them going well, uh, I think they'll struggle against Mets, who are a side who have really impressed me this season, to be fair. I like, that. I like what they're doing there. And this is a game they'll be pinpointing to win. Um, I'd try to get the draw on side if you can, if you can get a price. But I think six to four is quite a, quite generous given they're at home. Yeah, Raymond Dominic, not appointment and a very odd guy as well. But uh, yeah, just um, just on the Marseille and Monaco match, I think it's a full house really from from me as well in terms of expecting cards in that game. And uh, I guess on the WWE Gold Channel, we'll be sticking something card spaced up. Probably between us, Tom, because uh, obviously we had a nice little winner on the Marseille match on Wednesday night as well. But um, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thanks very much for your guys' contribution. Stars of the show have been superb again. Superb insight. Cracking research. I'm sure the listeners all enjoyed it. But I hope all the listeners are coping okay with lockdown. Just reiterate that all our DMs are open if required. And you fancy a chat about football, betting or anything else. Uh, We'll be back as normal next weekend or next week on Thursday night, uh, resuming with the Premier League returning. So we'll wrap it here. Appreciate all your support, especially those shares on social media. Makes the hard work of these guys really worthwhile. But uh, we'll sign off. So thanks very much to the stars of the show, Mr. Tom Love. Cheers, guys. Good luck. And, of course, Mr. William Dyer. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Lovely stuff. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend's preview podcast. Chat soon. Mm-hmm.